0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with
2: Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden,
1: Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. It's an exciting episode because football is back, Alex. So excited because we are sitting here watching the Chiefs and Texans game, uh, watching some serious Mike McCoy vibes going on from Bill O'Brien. But hey, man, you know, I'm excited. Football's back. Uh, how are you doing today, Alex? Yeah,
2: uh, it's good. Uh, football's back, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to kill us for the next 10 years. And uh, <laughs> Bill O'Brien is still Bill
1: O'Brien, so that's how you know the NFL is back. The NFL is officially back. I did. Uh, so we're recording this right at the end of the fourth quarter. The Texans did just score to make it 31 20. So there's two minutes left. Maybe that'll make it interesting. We'll I'll keep an eye on that. But, uh, as it stands, Clyde Edwards, helaire has 20 carries for 119 yards and one touchdown, which is just over six yards of carry. So that is uh he's looked really f- great you know and it helps that he only ever runs against six or seven man boxes he's never going to face like an eight man box or anything like that um and he just looks he looks really really good yeah
2: no i mean i i thought he was a great pick for the chiefs when he was uh drafted and um he seems like kind of an andy Reid back uh and uh i think he's gonna get the chance to show up behind that uh offensive line and he's obviously got Mahomes throwing
1: him the ball and receptions too um it's gonna be a nightmare (laughs) yeah it is you know I'm generally anti-taking a running back in the first round but if it's like really your only weak link then I'm all for it and that's really what it was for them you know running back was clearly like the only need on offense that really would have made them basically unguardable and that is um what it looks like. And we talked a, a few weeks ago about them adding Kalecki Osamele. He's looked really good. He looks uh, much more spry. On the other side, though, the Texans, man, they I, I figured that they would start slow because they have so many new players on their team. You know, Randall Cobb, David Johnson. Obviously, losing the second best receiver in the league doesn't help. Um, but their offensive line looks awful. And Titus Howard, who they took in the first round. I mean, he's looking like Trent Scott level bad right now, and you know the Chiefs are just taking full advantage of of that right tackle.
2: Yeah, I think it's tough for, uh, and you know I think we'll see this uh, in a lot of games. Any of the offensive linemen that were taken in the first round, second round, third round of these drafts uh, or of the NFL draft. I think it's going to be tough for them this first month, two months of the season, just because, right? As, as we've been saying, there's no off season, and when there's no off season, it's it's really hard to get into the swing of things. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, hey, you go, you get to go play the Super Bowl champion Chiefs in your first game. Uh, good luck. And <laughs> that seems
1: to be what's happened yeah. to uh, poor uh, the the poor Texans guy. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I think they'll be better. I, I, I'm not. You know, predicting them winning the division or anything like that, but I think the Texans will be solid. You know, in the mix for that uh, seventh spot, but we'll have to see how that turns out. Obviously, they've got a very tough opening schedule, and um, you know, it it eases up at the back end, but they've got to figure some things out and, and get into a rhythm and and figure out how to to protect Deshaun Watson going forward. So. Um, Mostly happy that football is back, obviously, but there was also Hard Knocks on Tuesday, which we'll get into. And really, it was a busy weekend. We were going to touch on the cuts and Keenan Allen's extension, but uh, we were having some major Zoom issues on Tuesday when we were recording. So we just decided to do the round Roundtable. So we'll kind of mention things right now. Um, your first reaction when you heard about the Keenan Allen extension... Yeah, I mean the Keenan
2: Allen extension came uh about where I thought it would be. Um I thought it could go up to 22. Daniel Popper reported that it, you know, he thought it would be about 18. Uh so that it came right about in the middle there about 20, uh exactly 25,000 more than Amari Cooper uh, <laughs> in the per year range. So I thought that was funny, but Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what he deserved. Uh, I had no idea as to whether it would happen before the season. Um, I thought it was pretty promising after the Bosa deal that Jim Trotter pretty much reported. Yeah, they're immediately on to Keenan Allen. Um, So that gave me hope that it was going to happen before the season. And uh, yeah, so they've, they've locked up the two guys that they needed to lock up. And now everything else with Henry and Ingram, Desmond King that will fall into place uh, next offseason. But yeah, Keenan was a necessary re-signing top five receiver in terms of production. I think he's a top five receiver in terms of ability. And, um, you know, he's going to be here for five more years.
1: Yeah. And I thought it was fitting that on the same day that uh, he was getting the extension, Tyrod Taylor called him a quarterback's best friend, which is true because, you know, he's always open. He's that security type. He's that security blanket type of player. And, uh, he's going to be very crucial in the growth of Justin Herbert in the next few years as well, and uh, definitely going to be a, a key piece moving forward. So obviously the other thing that happened over the weekend was uh, cut day, which we got to see a glimpse in in hard knocks as well. And I thought it was really cool to see the difference of how Sean McVay and Anthony Lynn slash Tom Telesco were handling the cuts. You know, we saw a very cool. Uh, moment between Anthony Lynn and Darius Bradwell, and, and even with uh, Tom Telesco and Brian Fajoco, and um, you know there wasn't anything super shocking from the cuts. You know, I, I like the practice squad guys, uh, but did you have any other initial thoughts on uh, the cuts that the team made from last weekend?
2: Yeah, I mean the biggest takeaway from the cuts was that they weren't taking a fullback. Um, you know, we were talking about the fullback battle right. kind of the whole off season and then they decided, so they cut Bobby Holly on Friday, and then we were like, oh, so Gabe Neighbors won, and then Gabe Neighbors didn't win, because he's on the practice squad, Uh, so, you know, not going with a fullback is interesting. I, the more I thought about it, I think it kind of made sense, though, um, because they have guys that are able to block, and Derek Watt wasn't necessarily like a kind of prototypical fullback. He was more used on special teams, uh, used for some blocking, but he wasn't like every-down fullback uh, kind of player. So I think that they wanted more of that style, and the other thing with the fullbacks was just it's hard to really show what you have in terms of live in-game blocking when you don't have a chance to live in-game block With without the preseason, so I think that's uh, a big reason that Holly Nor neighbors uh, really stuck out uh, in terms of being the guy uh, at fullback. I'm curious to see what they'll do in terms of neighbors now, um, because obviously they'll the reporting seems to be that they'll bring him in for some weeks whenever they need a fullback uh, during a game. So I'm curious to see how that uh, ends up being handled. As far as other cuts, uh, Scott and Roy uh, on the offensive line weren't surprising, but Tyree St. Louis making the team uh, over those two was pretty surprising. But, uh, yeah, I think they value his size. Um, Big guy, and, uh, yeah, he kind of has the build a little bit. He's a little bit shorter, but he has the build of kind of a Mackay Becton. Uh, He is a little bit smaller, but, yeah, if... You know, if he kind of plays up to his potential at some point, you know, maybe there's a role for him going forward. Uh, But, yeah, right now he's kind of the 10th offensive lineman. And they've talked about him maybe being the guy that at some point they'll bring in a safety and then bring him to the practice squad. But that'll be interesting now because they actually just put uh, today, they put Joe Gaziano on the practice squad as the 16th guy. So their practice squad is full. So it looks like they're not going for a safety as of now. Um, so, you know, the week one team is the week one team officially. So, uh, as for other cuts, Tyree St. Louis, Bobby Holly, um, no one else was really that surprising. Uh, all of the guys that I really thought were, you know, capable ended up making the practice squad because of the 16, uh, the 16 man team. Uh, I guess the one thing you could say is, like, Darius Jennings. Uh, I kind of wrote about him and thought right. maybe he would have a chance if it was a normal offseason uh, just because in the preseason he would be able to show his kick return ability and maybe he has a couple of returns in the style of, like, J.J. Jones from, like, 2018 where, you know, he shows what he can do and uh, the coaching staff ends up really liking him. But Darius Jennings never had a lot to offer in terms of being a receiver and Joe Reed kind of made him redundant. Um, other than that, yeah, no, those were the major cuts for me.
1: Yeah. I think, I think you pretty much covered it. The Darius Jennings, I wasn't super surprised that the team cut him because, you know, I predicted that Jason Moore, uh, selfish pet on a black, but, uh, I predicted that Jason Moore would make the team because Mike Williams status was, you know, so much up in the air. And really Jason Moore is, he is the second biggest receiver. And I, I think he's only six, three, but you know, So he doesn't present the same kind of skill set in terms of size and leaping ability. But you know he's the closest thing the team has to Mike Williams. And so I thought that uh, wasn't surprising. What was more surprising to me is that Darius Jennings was not kept on the practice squad. Um, obviously, they elected to keep Tyron Johnson on the practice squad. And I believe Jeff Cotton, right, from Idaho. Um, so, I mean, that's interesting that they'll have some guys on the practice squad. I'm sure that will... See the field eventually. You know, Darius Bradley, well, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets called up. You mentioned game neighbors. Um, you know, defensive line injuries always happen. So, Brain Fahoka will probably see some action, too. And maybe Gaziano, if he's able to kind of prove that he can stay healthy. So, um, you know, the cuts were – were there wasn't a ton of surprises. but Oh,
2: I'd say the other surprise uh, was uh, Parham, I guess, making the team. It uh, wasn't a surprise, but,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: because they didn't take a fullback – uh, I, it kind of sounded for a while there, like Parham was going to be the one that gets cut, uh, in a Parham Anderson battle, but that didn't end up happening and they ended up keeping both. And it seems like both are going to be on the roster for the long term. So I'm, uh, curious to see how they use some of these two, uh, two tight end, three tight end, uh, sets maybe, uh, and some
1: red zone packages. Yeah. I mean, the, the B writers have been kind of, uh, pounding the drum that, uh, Steven Anderson had, you know, kind of uh really separated himself from Donald Parham. So, you know, it, it makes sense that they would keep him on the roster and, and apparently he has a really good relationship uh, going with Justin Herbert, which obviously will help for the future. And then, you know, I mean, you've been on this for a while that Donald Parham, he presents such a high ceiling with his physical attributes that, you know, maybe he's a little too valuable to cut and Anthony Lane was reportedly really uh, impressed by his blocking. So, I guess if you're looking at Virgil Green and Donald Parham, who are good blockers, and allegedly Hunter Henry is, <laughs> uh, maybe you're thinking, like, you know what, maybe I don't need to play a fullback, be- you know, those extra 10 snaps. Maybe I just carry these four tight ends, and, you know, maybe Virgil Green lines up at H-back a bunch of times and and kind of just assumes that role. Um, but I think it'll work out. You know, obviously Gabe Neighbors makes makes a few appearances. I think that'll be uh, fine going forward, and he does offer some versatility as well. So the Chiefs and Texans just went final, 34-20 um, to 20, uh, over the Texans. So it was a fun game, man, and um, it was just nice to see football back. I hope Chiefs fans are really appreciating that some of them get to attend football games and where everyone else is not going to have any fans in the stands, except for, I believe, the Dolphins and Jaguars. Um, yeah, football's back. So uh, has that been official? I haven't really seen anything from them since Jerry said that he wants fans there. I mean, they haven't said they're not bringing fans, so I assume they're bringing
2: fans.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What Jerry wants, Jerry gets, I guess. Um, So before we move on to kind of our Bengals preview, we are going to do some uh, week one game picks for each of us. Uh, We'll each choose three games that we feel good about. Obviously, we're not going to choose the obvious ones like the Colts over the Jaguars or the Bills over the Jets. That would be way too easy. So, um, Alex, kick us off with your three... I don't want to say no-brainer, but your three picks that you feel very confident about in this week.
2: Uh, first one I feel confident about is the Eagles and the Washington football team. Uh, so the Eagles are favored by five and a half. Uh, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, I could see that being a closer game. Um, I, I like the Eagles in this game just because yeah they're rolling with the same team from last year. I don't think Washington drastically improved in the offseason, and I think it's going to take them a while to really get going uh, under... His name is escaping me right now. What's the Panthers? Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera. Uh, So, yeah, we'll see how that goes, but I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in Dwayne Haskins. Uh, The defense is better, obviously, with the addition of Chase Young, Uh, so maybe they are able to stay in some of the game, Uh, but I still see the Eagles... Uh, beating them by probably about touchdown or three four points, so I'll take the Eagles in that one. And then my other two, I got the Saints over the Bucks. Um, I, I've always said that I think the Bucks are pretty overhyped. Uh, I believe the game is in New Orleans, uh, and so that's a bit tougher for the Bucks on, yeah, on the road, even it though is. it's kind of a no fan situation. But um, yeah, so I think you have the Saints defense is going to come out kind of roaring. Uh, obviously, they added Malcolm Jenkins, Zach Bond. Um I think that's going to be a nice unit. And I just don't think there's much that the Bucs secondary can do to stop the Saints, uh, at this point at least. And then my last game will be... Uh, shit, what the fuck was my last game? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I knew I was going to forget one. Um, uh, Packers and Vikings. Oh,
1: okay. What was the other one you said?
2: <clears throat> and the last game that I'm going to pick is the Packers and the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings are favored by two and a half, but I'm actually going to go with the upset uh, on the road. I think the Packers take the game. Um, you know, I, I do think the Vikings had some good additions. Obviously, they traded for Yannick and Ngakwe. Uh, so, you know, he'll obviously be gunning for Rodgers, and we'll see how that goes, but I uh, I like the Packers to pull the upset here, and the Vikings have struggled with the Packers in pretty recent years, uh, so I, I like the Packers in this game uh, just because of Rodgers, and uh, their defense with the two Smiths, obviously, is uh, uh, much improved from what it was a couple of years ago, even though they still haven't, you know, drafted a receiver for Aaron Rodgers, so... But I'll go, so yeah, I'll go uh,
1: the Saints, the Eagles, and the Packers in week one. Solid. I'm surprised that Packers and Vikings line hasn't moved at all, uh, because Daniel Hunter is likely not to play, and Ngakwe just got there. So, um, you know, if you're a betting man, I think betting on the Packers is a is a pretty safe bet this week. Um, which of your teams, obviously, you know, we're not betting experts or anything like that, but... Uh, Which of your picks do you feel most comfortable about the teams covering the spread? Uh, So you got Eagles by 5.5, Packers would be 2.5, and then the Saints would be 3.5. Saints. Uh, I think
2: they're really going to come out uh, strong here. Eagles I could see being a minus 4, minus minus four, 3 situation uh, instead of minus 5.5. And I could see the Packers... Vikings game being separated by a point. Uh I don't see the Saints uh Tampa game being close though.
1: I yeah, I would agree with that as well. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the Buccaneers uh are really able to distribute targets. Obviously Mike Evans is is a little banged up right now, so maybe there's a chance that he doesn't play, but I think people are really overvaluing what uh first of all, what Rob Rob Gronkowski is going to do for this offense. I don't think he's going to be Super involved, like everybody is saying. I think O.J. Howard is kind of the tight end one there. Um, But we'll see. So for the three games that I'm going to pick, uh, the first one is going to be the Seahawks and Falcons. Um, Currently, the Seahawks are favored by 2.5. The game is in Atlanta. Um, I just don't think that the Falcons have the defense to really contain Chris Carson and and Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Uh, I think the Seahawks are going to... If I'm picking a team that's covering, I I think the Seahawks would, you know, kind of win by, you know, six to 10 points. I think, you know, Russell uh, hopefully gets to cook a little bit more. Uh, and the Seahawks should be able to win that game. Um, I was thinking about the Packers and Vikings. Obviously, you took that one. The next one I want to do is the Bears and the Lions. Um, the Lions I are favored by three. Um, but I'm actually going to take the Bears because weirdly, Mitch Trubisky is like, the best quarterback ever whenever he faces the lions, uh, every other team against every other team, he kind of sucks, but <laughs> against the lions, he's kind of great. Uh, and the lions <laughs> running game really is, is in flux right now with, uh, signing of Adrian Peterson, carry Johnson and Deandre Swift's a little banged up. And Kenny Galladay is a little banged up. So, uh, give me the bears in that matchup as well. And then the last one, I'm going to, uh, take the Rams over the Cowboys. The Cowboys are favored by three, Um, but I think the Cowboys are going to kind of get off to a slow start with these new weapons with CeeDee Lamb, Blake Jarwin. Um, and I think Jalen Ramsey is basically going to take Amari Cooper out of the game. And, uh, I think the Rams are going to get a little bit of a home field advantage in the new stadium, put up some points, you know, Jared Goff is going to have a decent day and, and, uh, Sean McVay is going to dial up a good game plan to kind of push them over the edge over the Cowboys. No love for the AFC. Uh we went all NFC picks. <laughs> Did we really? I didn't yeah. even notice that. <laughs> well, I think some of the AFC picks are some of the AFC picks are rough because you have, you know, like the Browns and Ravens, that's a boring one. The Dolphins and Patriots, that's a boring pick. Jets and Bills is a boring pick. Um I guess really the most interesting AFC pick outside of the Chargers and Bengals, which we'll obviously talk about later, um, would be the Titans and Broncos, I think with the loss of Von Miller, you know, which we'll get into a little bit after this, but you know, I think the Broncos defense is going to really struggle this year. The obviously Von Miller, Derek Wolf is gone. Chris Harris is gone. Um, they're kind of in a transition mode on defense and their offense is, is totally young. So I could see the Titans winning that game, uh, up in Denver as well. So I, I think it is unfortunate, but I think there are going to be more injuries this year. At least at the start of the season, because, you know these teams had no preseason. There was no, there wasn't a ton of hitting in, in in training camp. Obviously, you know, I think hitting is kind of overrated. But at some point, you got to have some some really physical practices to get ready for the NFL season. And unfortunately, Von Miller uh, dislocated a tendon in his ankle, but just just sounds so painful. Um, I guess there is. There is some speculation going around that if the Broncos are in contention for the playoffs, that maybe he could be back. Um, I'd be surprised if he played at all this year, though, uh, which just sucks because Von Miller. I know that he's you know a division rival, but Von Miller has been really a, a, one of my favorite players in the league ever since he got drafted. He's just been a class act, and and he is super good at what he does, and he's an elite player, which uh, obviously obviously will hurt the Broncos. Uh, going forward.
2: Yeah, no, it's a terrible injury for him. Uh, wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, I hope, I, I honestly, you know, this is an injury that if he's really out several months, you know, we're talking, I think it's going to be closer to four or five than the three-month recovery that's mentioned. I, I don't think they're going to bother yeah. bringing him back this year. Um, if it's really that long, uh, I think that might bring up questions about you know, he has an 18-mil club option next year, and I wonder, I don't know if the Broncos would, but I wonder if they would consider cutting him out of fear for another injury, so it's um, it's a blow to Vaughn, and also maybe a little bit of a blow to his long-term career in Denver, uh, so I'm curious to see how that plays out, and it sucks for the Broncos, especially because, you know, the whole thing this season is, hey, we got Bradley Chubb back, okay, well, now we lost Von Miller, yeah. Um so it's
1: just Well, and kind Chubb's banged up too. They they're not yeah. sure if Chubb is going to be able to play this week either.
2: Yeah, and Chubb Chubb honestly, you know, cuz he tore the ACL last year, he is kind of a year away from being a year away in terms of really getting back to his like peak athletic standpoint even if he does play. Um so you know, it, it's kind of the same thing we've seen with a lot of ACL injuries is uh you know, players needing kind of an extra year to really get back to their um, you know, peak conditions. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think now is the time to start worrying, especially when Jeremiah Tachu is your backup, um, from, you know, Chargers back in those days. Um, but yeah, so we'll see how that goes. that is um, so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess we'll see if maybe they bring in a veteran defensive end of some kind. Um, to, to kind of just sign and try to replace Vaughn or Chubb as best as they can this season. Um, but I don't know, yeah, it, it definitely is a big blow to Denver's defense, especially since defensive end was kind of one of the things I really liked about their defense. And now they're going to have questions there as well as the secondary, uh, as well as the linebacker group. So definitely not a great week for Denver.
1: Yeah, I think you know their defensive talent is is obviously taking a big hit. I, I've really liked the Jarrell Casey trade. AJ Bouye, Bouye is okay, but you know they're they're supposed to be a defensive team, and their defense is is not looking so good right now. Um, Adam Schefter reported that they did reach out to Clay Matthews, which was kind of an awkward situation because uh, he kind of misreported what was actually happening there. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but it, w- it was a little awkward. And I guess Clay Matthews is still trying to get paid by the Rams, who owe him a two million dollars signing bonus from last year. So uh, we'll see what the well, what they do. I figure, you know, they're obviously not going to get someone by this week, but maybe after this week, they'll be able to get in some tryouts and things like that um, going forward. But so, what does this do for you in terms of the Broncos and their season outlook? Are you taking one win away from their? Pre- from your prediction about them, two wins, like how do you see the Broncos uh, panning out this year without Von Miller?
2: I think I had them at nine and seven, eight and eight, Uh, could be 10 and six, kind of a similar, you know, array of outcomes to the chargers uh, before the Von Miller injury. But honestly, I think Von Miller is honestly a bigger loss to the Broncos than even say Derwin James to the chargers Uh, just because defensive end is one of the places that they were set and now they're not set there because, you know, Bradley Chubb is still dealing with the knee uh, from last year. He'll play, you know, at some point, but, you know, they don't want to rush him back on the field and get injured again, and, you know, now you're going to be starting, uh, you know, kind of a, either a veteran DE that's, you know, kind of old or chariotachu, so that's not a great spot for them, and outside of defensive end, I always thought they had a lot of question marks, their linebacker group is okay. It's not the best, and you know their starting corner is going to be someone who didn't even play last year, and Bryce Callahan, and AJ Bouye kind of dropped off last year a little bit. So there's just a lot of questions I think on the defensive side of the ball, and that's not something you want to have when you know you still have a young quarterback that you want to support with the defense, in um, Drew Locke, So. I would put them honestly now at like seven and nine, eight and eight, instead of the other kind
1: of nine and seven, ten and six territory. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think their their season, like we've said multiple times, is going to hinge on what Drew Locke and this offense can do. Um, that being said, you know losing Von Miller, that's that's huge, and I do agree with you. I think that's that's more impactful to the Broncos than losing Derwin is for the Chargers because the Chargers have other really good options in the secondary, obviously Casey Hayward, Chris, Hay- Chris Harris. Uh, I'm all in on this year Adderley and obviously Desmond King is a former all pro. So they have some options back there. Whereas losing Von Miller, you don't really have much. Um, but I guess we'll see ultimately what their offense is capable of. But then again, you know, Cortland Sutton also is, uh, banged up. So, uh, maybe I should have picked the Titans as one of my games because, uh, I think that is, a pretty safe. bet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that being said, let's get into this uh Bengals preview, man, and, I, and I'm so excited that this game is coming up, and we'll start with the injury reports, uh, both for the Chargers and for the Bengals. Um, it's not looking like Mack Pouncey is going to play. Uh, we finally have a, um, a distinction on what his injury is. Apparently, he's battling a hip injury, um, which I don't understand what the point was of holding this information from everybody, because all we knew previously up until today is that it was not related to his neck injury from last year, which obviously ended his season. Um, But he has not practiced for weeks now, according to Jeff Miller. Uh, I would be surprised if he plays. So uh, it is likely that Dan Feeney starts at center and Forrest lamp starts at left guard. Um, What do you make of Mike Pouncey, the Mike Pouncey situation and uh, Feeney and lamp getting the starts in his place?
2: Um, the, well, it's good that it's not a neck, but it's also not good that it's a hip, um, because the hip injury is kind of what ended his career in Miami, uh, and why they moved on from him there. Um, so that's not a good thing. Uh, I guess we'll see if he's able to get into some action this first month, or if they determine at some point that this is something they need to have surgery for it doesn't sound like they're talking about that uh, talking about it like that right now Um, I guess we'll see what happens maybe they're just trying to kind of ease him back into it but uh, it's it's certainly a loss Uh, I think they are a little bit better prepared than they were last year obviously losing Pouncy four games in last year in midseason I think is a you know bigger deal but this is obviously happening before the first game of the week but Feeney does have experience playing center there um, you know, personally, I think you and I both agree that we wish they would try squat, uh, Questenberry, uh, there <laughs> at center and then, you know, yes. put, uh, keep Feeney yes. in his natural position at left guard. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be what they're doing. So the good thing is we'll get more Forrest Lamp reps, um, you know, and see kind of what he is. So I think that's True. actually a good thing, even though, you know, uh, his talent is there. So you know, if, if he gets more reps, maybe he can play himself back in the left guard. Uh, so that would be a very promising thing to see for twenty twenty. I, I did not have hope for that, so maybe that's kind of the upside, uh, glass half full approach to this Pouncy injury. Um, certainly not an overall good thing, but I think they can handle it better. Um, you know, especially since they've probably been preparing, as you said, uh for a couple weeks at this at least because uh yeah Jeff Miller reported he hasn't report, uh played uh practiced in a couple weeks, so I'm sure they probably told Feeney and Lamp and all those guys um, you know, what could happen. So I'm sure they've been uh preparing for this moment a little bit. So yeah, no, I definitely think we'll see uh we'll see how Feeney and Lamp do, but I'm more confident in them than I was, say, last year, for example.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I'm fine with Dan Feeney at center. Um, he basically played two games there last year um, and he only gave up four pressures, which I know it's like not a huge sample size. So uh, I'm okay with it. I, you know, I'm, like you mentioned for a slam, getting more reps, you know, if he can't do it this year, then, you know, when's he going to do it? So I guess at least that will provide some long-term clarity there. Um, I think, We'll probably see Ryan Groy activated from the practice squad because if Mike Pouncey is unavailable, that means that Scott Quessenberry would be the only uh, backup interior offensive lineman unless, unless Tyree St. Louis is an interior instead of a tackle. But right now he's listed as a tackle, so um, I expect that Groy would be activated. Um, obviously the other big charger that's on the injury port is Mike Williams. He's been limited in practice the last two days. Um, some of the beat reporters posted some videos of him running routes and, and working with, uh with some working in the individual drills. Um, I mean, it looked okay to me. I'm not super confident that he plays in this game, especially considering that the team has the chiefs coming into town next week. Um, if I had to put a number on it, I would, I would put maybe, like, 50-50 chance that he plays. Uh, What do you think about Mike Williams' uh, particular case?
2: I'm a little bit more bullish on it. I think there's probably, like, 70-30 he plays. Um, I think that's a good number for it. Um, You know, so he's been sitting for about three weeks now since the injury happened in training camp. I want to say it's been that long, Because he was
1: injured. He was injured. Yeah, he was injured on a Saturday, I think. So by the time the game hits, it will be three weeks. Right. Um, and it was predicted originally
2: to be about a two- to four-week injury. Uh, I know Popper was one of the ones that said they could keep him out for the first month of the season. But if he's doing limited practice now, uh, I think that lends itself to the idea that it's probably a shorter-term injury. Um, I think he's going to play. Uh, we'll we'll see exactly what happens. Uh I think it's interesting, you know, we were mentioning Corlin Sutton earlier that he uh, now is dealing with the same injury as Mike Williams. Um, but yeah, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I think they're good enough against the Cincinnati secondary to do it without him, um, but certainly it's much, much, much better to have him than not. Um, but yeah, so I, I think he's going to play based on the fact he's already doing limited uh, stuff in practice if he's upgraded to full on the injury report, I think he's pretty much good to go.
1: Yeah. And obviously Friday is the most important day for uh, injury reports. Um, the surprise, I guess uh, Brian Belaga was added today as a limited participant as a hamstring injury. Um, obviously if Balaga were to miss this game, that would not be a great start. Uh, you know, having uh, two of your likely five starting linemen not have the, not play in the first game it is definitely less than ideal. Um, but I think uh, you know, I'm fairly confident that he's going to play. Um, this just seems more of like a, uh, we're just being careful. Maybe he's kind of a little tight type thing. Um, Virgil green. Good news there. Uh, he's been a full participant for the last two practices last week. He was not practicing. So uh, him being a full participant is a good sign. Um, obviously we'll wait for some clarity tomorrow on Mike Williams. Um, really that's the only one I would expect to be a true game time decision. I don't think Mike Pouncey is going to play. Um, you know, obviously I, I hate speculating about injuries, but do you think, you know, it being a hip injury, uh, is why the team has been so vague about it. You know, you mentioned that it being the reason that the dolphins moved on from him. Do you think that there should be some concern about him missing an extended amount of time here?
2: Um, yeah, yeah, I think there should be some concern. Not like, you know, alarm yet, but uh, there definitely should be some level of concern with it. Just because it's an injury he's had before, I don't know if it's the same hip. It might be a different one. Um, but, you know, it, it's the same injury he had in Miami that ultimately led to the decision not to re-sign him. So, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it was because it was specifically a hip that they decided maybe he and... Uh, you know, Lynn or whoever decided to keep it out of the media as long as they could, um, just to maybe decrease the impact a little bit. But yeah, it's it's not a good thing that it's a hip. If it was like, as we were talking about with Bulaga, something like a hamstring or, you know, groin tightness, whatever, um, I, I th- would be much more confident with it. But a hip specifically
1: uh, does concern me. Yeah. So I I guess, you know, for the foreseeable future, you know, plan to have Mike Pouncey as a uh, injury report constant, um, which is just unfortunate because he's been in 2018. He was very good and very healthy. And then last year, obviously, he had the neck injury. So uh, just unfortunate for one of the uh, veteran leaders on the team. So uh, that being said, let's get to the Bengals injury report. I think the biggest Two names on the injury report have been A.J. Green and Geno Atkins. Um, A.J. Green says he is 100% ready to go uh, and feels much better than in years past. It's said that his uh, ankle and hamstring are back to 100% and that he feels like his old self. Um, I never really had any doubt that A.J. Green was going to miss this game. You know, I, th- I think last year was and really, like a phantom injury. I don't know what was going on. It seemed very similar to what was happening with Nasir Adderley, where it was like, okay, he's week to week, he's week to week, and then it was like, all right, he's done for the year. So, uh, just a little confusing. But I, I expected him to play this year. Um, Obviously, the Bengals have a very good wide receiver group with uh, him and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and John Ross. What do you think about AJ Green's chances? Well, not chances. I I guess uh, his perspective outlook against the Chargers on Sunday.
2: Uh, I think he has a chance to do pretty well. Uh, I think Casey Hayward is a tough matchup on him. Um, It's really going to depend, I think, on how much time Joe Burrow has, which we'll get to a little bit later, um, and what their connection is so far. But I I think he has a chance to play pretty well. Um, It's it's going to be you know, a little tough against that secondary, but I certainly think, you know, uh, in terms of talent when he's healthy, uh, I think that he is a top five in terms of talent. Um, so, you know, it's just about staying healthy, but, uh, you know, I think he can definitely burn Casey a couple times or, you know, uh, if he's covered by Chris Harris or Desmond King on a certain route, uh, I certainly think that, you know, he can, uh, make the best of it yeah uh, the it's it's kind of the other receivers that actually scare me a little bit more than green cuz Hayward I think will be fine with AJ Green generally speaking it's um right. Higgins and you know uh, you know what are the matchups in terms of Higgins and Boyd is Davis covering Boyd is Harris covering Boyd you know so I'm curious to see what those other matchups look like more than AJ Green I think uh Hayward will be relatively fine with him but I'm curious to see how the Chargers kind of deploy the other corners when it comes to
1: uh, Higgins, Boyd, and, and John Ross. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I feel like is going to determine how well the Bengals' offense, uh, or not the Bengals' offense, more of the Bengals' receiving core does. Because, you know, Michael Davis can stick with John Ross. You know, he, he does have that 4-3-3 speed. Um, but the things that Michael Davis does not do well, which is cover, you know, shifty slot guys in space— that's Tyler Boyd, right? And then he doesn't do well in jump ball scenarios, and that is T. Higgins, at least who I think he'll, he'll – what he'll be in the start of his career. So, uh, you know, I could see, you know, that not working in the Chargers' favor. But uh, obviously Chris Harris could definitely shadow Tyler Boyd as well, which I think would be the smart play because, you know, Tyler Boyd is, is a much better player than T. Higgins or John Ross at this point uh, in their careers. So, I mentioned the Geno Atkins one. Um, he has not missed a game since 2013. I expect him to play as of uh, recording this on Thursday night. Um, he has not practiced for the last two days. So, you know, there, there is some concern from what I've, I've been reading, um, specifically from Sports Illustrated. Um, I guess he didn't participate in a simulated game last week. Um he, this guy says initially it felt like the Bengals were just trying to keep the 32-year-old fresh for the regular season, but the fact that he wasn't even a limited participant in Thursday practice is concerning. Um so I don't know, I, I think the fact that the that the Bengals have a Thursday game upcoming next week, I guess there is a good chance that Gino misses this game, which would obviously be a huge break for the Chargers if he were not able to play. Um, but I, I guess just the, uh, pessimist in me is expecting Gino Atkins to play. Um,
2: yeah, I, 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 think he'll play. I would give it like 60, 40 odds that he'll play. The fact that he hasn't uh, practiced in the last two days is concerning. So I guess we'll see what happens on Thursday and Friday, uh, or yeah, just Friday tomorrow. Uh, in terms of whether he's a limited participant, if he's a limited participant to, uh, tomorrow, I would expect him to, probably be a full go for sunday um but if he misses practice tomorrow i think that starts to get murky uh, especially as you mentioned with the thursday night game they have um next week so i'll say that he probably does play but um i wouldn't be surprised if he's on maybe a little bit of a snap count because of the thursday night game uh we'll see exactly what happens there um, so yeah, I guess he's going to be matched up with those interior guys. So, you know, prayers for Dan Feeney and Forrest
1: Lamb and <laughs> all them. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. You know, the Bengals in a, in a similar to the Derwin situation with their, you know, kind of being okay if Geno misses time because they have DJ reader who, uh, had two sacks in the game against the Chargers last year as a member of the Texans. Uh, and he really just, <laughs> He really, really, really had a good game against the Chargers. Um, he's more of a run-stuffing tackle, but he can uh, rush the passer. Um, but they also have Mike Daniels, who he hasn't been the same player since he left Green Bay, but when he was with the Packers, he was a very good player as a defensive tackle as well. Um, so I think they'll, they'd be okay without Geno Atkins. Obviously, you know, losing a guy like that hurts. Um, but then they also have Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard on the outside. Uh, so... You know, for me, that's the key matchup of the game. If Geno Atkins doesn't play, obviously, I think that's a big, you know, feather in the cap for the Chargers. But to me, the thing I'm most looking forward to or, or keeping an eye on is going to be how the Chargers into your offensive line does against the Bengals into your defensive line. You know, even with DJ Reader, how are they able to clear running lanes? Are they able to, you know, push him off the ball at all? You know, Mike Daniels, same thing. And then with Geno Atkins, would they be able to keep him, you know, contained in one on one situations? You know, the biggest thing that Dan Feeney struggles with is, is are those quick defensive tackles who have those good hands, and that's what Geno Atkins brings to the table, right? You know he, He's such a good athlete at the defensive tackle spot. So for me, the, th- the matchup that I'm most concerned about is that interior battle that's going on. Um, what do you think is the most concerning matchup for this week, one uh, game against the Bengals?
2: Yeah, I think interior offensive line is definitely one of them. So we'll see how that goes. Um, None of the defensive matchups really concern me. I maybe maybe the (laughs) linebacker group a little bit. Uh, You know, it's obviously going to be Kenneth Murray's first game. uh, Drew uh, Drew Tranquil's kind of second season. Um, So you got to have a lot of young guys. uh, You know, and maybe Mixon can break out and have a game. But, yeah, it's a tough game for the Bengals' offense, in my opinion, because, you know, as much as people talk about the weapons, like uh, Green and Mixon, you know, obviously you mentioned Higgins and John Ross and C.J. Uzama, um, they have some weapons, but the problem is, I think, going to be protecting Burrow because uh, they have, you know, uh, uh, Jonah Williams, who was their first-round pick last year, hasn't played a game in the NFL, uh, and now he has to play, play against Joey Boza, right? Uh, and then on the other side, they have what I believe is the Bengals equivalent of Trent Scott in Bobby Hart, and Bobby Hart <laughs> has to go, uh, you know go against Melvin Ingram. And you look at the interior of their offensive line, and it's Xavier Suefillo and Trey Hopkins, and that's you know kind of a great matchup for Linval Joseph in there. Um, so... You know, I think the concern has to be just keeping Burrow upright. I mean, I'm not seeing how they really... The Chargers offensive line obviously is a problem if Pouncey's going to be out, but I look at the Bengals offensive line, and i honestly just looking at them, uh, both of the matchups, I kind of think the Bengals offensive line is like in a five to ten times worse position
1: than the Chargers offensive line is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and obviously, you know, from the interior, if, if Justin Jones is as good as the Chargers have been saying all off season, and you have Linval Joseph and Jerry Tillery moving around, and if he can you know take a step forward, that could be a, a long day for the Bengals, which would be fantastic to see this defense just come out and have a great performance against, um, obviously, the number one overall pick, which I was surprised that they didn't take hardly any. I don't think they took a single offensive lineman this year um, because they went to Higgins and then they took the linebackers back-to-back. Uh, Logan Wilson and Keem Davis Gaither. I'd have to look at the end of their draft, but I'm always surprised that like when you draft a quarterback in the first round that you don't take also an offensive lineman at some point, especially if you're a team like the Bengals who don't really have anyone. You know, at least the Chargers have made some offseason additions with uh, Brian Belaga, Trey Turner, and uh, Storm Norton as well. So, uh, let's do this over or under the Chargers' defense getting four point five sacks.
2: Uh, over under
1: four, are we saying over under 4.5? Cause Ooh. I feel like they could get to four. Okay. Uh,
2: I'll go, I'll go slightly under, I'll say they get four sacks. Um, okay. but I think, yeah, I, I think it's a, you know, as I just said, is a tough game for Burrow? Uh, I think it's going to be a tough game for their backfield just because these offensive line matchups are just Hideous
1: on paper versus what they have to go against <laughs> with the Chargers defensive line. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm imagining a lot of dump offs to Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard and you know, Giovanni Bernard has been uh apparently rocking a killer mustache, which I didn't know he had in him. So how old is Giovanni
2: Bernard now? He's gotta be at least like thirty five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the picture with him and his mustache he looks 35 but uh i think he's like in his mid-20s um <laughs> but he definitely looks mm. 35 now with he's just got the you know the the classic you know porn star mustache going on i think
2: Gio bernard's been there since the chargers played the bengals in that playoff game like what seven years ago
1: i think he was the running back then he's been there he's been there a while yeah and let, let me look at this up right now been there a while. So he was born in nineteen ninety one. He was drafted in two thousand thirteen. Yeah,
2: so he was there. So he's twenty eight. Yeah, so when they played that uh playoff game there in Cincinnati that the Chargers won, he was he was on that team. I remember that. So he would have
1: been a he would have been a rookie, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. Same with uh Keenan Keenan was a rookie that year, yeah. Melvin Ingram's second year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Man, that seems like a long time ago. Um but is there any other matchups on this in this game that you think are either concerning or, or you know, obviously you mentioned the interior defensive line, but is there anything else about this Bengals team that has kind um, of given yeah, you, know, there, giving you pause? Yeah, there's some kind of
2: interesting ones to talk about. Uh, I, I guess it's going to be with the interior of the offensive line, uh, just how much the Chargers run the ball. Uh, so I guess we'll see how much that happens with Eckler and Jackson, Kelly, Um, I'm curious to see if they can obviously open uh, running lanes, as you said, so I think that'll be interesting to see, uh, if they want to run it up the middle, if they want to run left and right, uh, or have kind of like a a lot of emphasis on the screen game, like they did with Rivers and getting Eckler open uh, for passes and stuff. Um, Other than that, um, yeah, I guess the secondary is an interesting matchup. Uh, The Bengals don't have a really good secondary, but they have okay guys. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough to take Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry um, and, you know, Mike Williams if he does play. Uh, the thing that I think I'm most curious to see is just kind of what are Tyrod's tendencies, I guess, in terms of which guys he wants to get open. Um, so that'll be interesting to see in terms of what his, uh, you know, which guys he kind of likes as his favorites because obviously we know Philip Rivers loved, you know, bombing it you know, 20, 40 yards to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. um, Yeah. Trying to do a little too much sometimes last year. Uh, Obviously, he loved the screen game with uh, Austin Eckler. So uh, I'm curious to see if maybe Tyrod is a little bit more reliant on, say, someone like Hunter Henry. Um, Maybe he'll go look his way a little bit. Maybe you get to see a little bit of Donald Parham, Stephen Anderson. Yeah. But, yeah, so I I think you'll definitely see Keenan involved a lot, but I'm curious to see what other uh, Chargers receivers, running backs, tight ends uh, really get uh, a lot of Tyrod's attention.
1: Yeah, man, I'm just so excited because, you know, we have really no idea what this offense is going to be like. I think Shane Steichen has been really, like, underplaying how different it is. And then you hear Hunter Henry's, like, oh, man, it's super different. Like, everything's different, obviously, having Tyrod Taylor. And um, I think this offense is going to hopefully come out and be really creative and hopefully we'll see some uh, quarterback run plays that we haven't really seen before. Um And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, who's going to be, I think it's safe to assume that Keenan Allen's going to be his number one. Uh, the two of them seem to have a very good relationship. I'm just more curious to see who is the number two in terms of targets. Like you mentioned, is it Hunter Henry? If Mike Williams plays, how involved is he? Uh, is he just, you know, the same kind of role as the deep threat or, or is he more involved and some underneath things. Um, I want to talk now about this, uh, just the overall matchup, because I feel like the Chargers, their best areas are going against the Bengals' worst areas. You know, you mentioned the defensive line going up against the Bengals' offensive line. And then to me, the weakest part of the Bengals' defense, besides the linebackers, is their secondary, right? And specifically the middle of the field. You know, you'll have to deal with Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler. So to me, uh, this is a good matchup for the Chargers, but, you know, it's only a, a favored by three spread. Um, so I guess just, you know, how are what are you feeling overall about this matchup? Are you feeling good or are you feeling a little bit nervous? You know, obviously the Chargers have had some struggles in week one. Um, where are you at just overall with this matchup right now?
2: Uh, I feel pretty confident. Um, I also feel like minus three is a good line to have it at though, uh, just because obviously they're on the road and, you know, the other thing I think you have to consider is obviously, you know, Joe Burrow's first game, uh, and also, you know, could he go off and also all the uncertainty with the shortened off season, COVID, all of that stuff, I think is kind of baked into that a little bit, uh, to some degree with the minus three, minus three and a half line. Um, so yeah, I think they'll, uh, I think they'll cover. I, I think by, if we want to get into final score predictions now, um, yeah, I had the Chargers 24 uh, to 20 over the Bengals. Uh, I think it's a closer game than some people think, but, um, yeah, I still think they are able to get the job done. Uh, I just don't see the Bengals being able to score a lot in this game. 20 is honestly a lot. Maybe I should go down to 17. Um, but I'll take twenty four twenty. It's it's just I think going to be tough for Joe Burrow. I don't think we're going to get uh, a tw- the twenty eighteen Patrick Mahomes coming out party. Uh, you know that really uh, doomed the Chargers in that game. I, I think it's going to be much uh, much more kind of mm, steady rise for Joe Burrow this year in terms of you know getting his uh, getting to know his teammates, getting to know the coaching staff, getting to know the system. Uh, I think it'll take a little bit longer for him. And obviously this uh, this 2020 Bengals team is not the 2018 Chiefs. I don't think I need to say that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think that needs to be said. But, uh, yeah, so I, I have the Chargers winning this one by probably four points.
1: So, yeah, I'll go 24-20 to 20, uh, in Cincinnati. Yeah, I definitely agree with you that um, this is going to be more of a steady climb for Joe Burrow. I think um... – I think he could have a special year. I'm not sure if I would bank on him, you know, breaking Baker Mayfield's touchdown record, but I think he could get close. I think they have the weapons, and I think, you know, we've talked about the weaknesses of this defense where they could be kind of forced to overthrow or or at least, you know, throw more than they would want to going forward. Um, but so the Vegas line right now for the over under in, in terms of total points is 44. Um, obviously if you have it at 24 to 17, that would be under, I have it under as well. Um, my initial thought was to go, uh, 23 to 20 for the chargers. If Gino Atkins doesn't play, I think I would probably take that up to like 27, 17. Um, so, you know, I think the difference in Gino Atkins is really important to how I feel about this game. You know, I'm, I do think the Chargers can win. You know, mentioned the week one struggles. Obviously, last year they won an overtime against the Colts. Um, I'm not like crazy worried about the individual matchup. I think it's just like the pessimistic, uh, week one Chargers fan in me, but I think the Chargers should be able to handle, handle their business in Cincinnati. And, um, I'm comfortable predicting a 23 to 20 win or in case Geno you know, Atkins doesn't play, you know, like a 27, 28 to 17 kind of outcome as well.
2: Right. Uh, No, I think that's totally reasonable. Um, Yeah, and as for the over-under 44, I think that's about right. Um, You know, we were talking to Jason Reed, who thinks for kind of a couple of reasons, this could be uh, a low-scoring game. And, you know, you obviously have a rookie quarterback. You have a new quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Both teams sort of still learning their offenses. uh, No preseason, and I think that does add up into a bit of a lower-scoring affair.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking right now, just over at uh, FanDuel right now, and just like with the overall lines and stuff like that, it it's crazy to me how accurate Vegas can be, because they had the over-under for the Chiefs and Texans game at 53, and it was 34 to 20, so at, fi- mm-hmm. at 54 total right. points, which is just crazy to me. They, did, they had the spread at uh, minus 9.5 for the Chiefs, but uh, they're really uh really accurate with over-unders in terms of total points and so i think this is going to be a lower scoring game you know i mentioned maybe the chargers could get up to 27 maybe 30 like i would if if geno's not playing maybe they could get up to 30 but i you know i'm expecting more of a more of a defensive battle than than i think people are giving this game credit for right so, uh, I think that'll do it for me. you have any other thoughts about this uh, this game? And, uh, you know, any other thoughts about the overall uh, season, maybe?
2: Hashtag fuck Ohio. That's all I <laughs> yeah. got to say.
1: Let's go. Let's be in the sound bite tomorrow. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, man, I'm, just, I'm so excited that football's back. You know, I think this summer has been so long and everything going on in in our country right now has just been so much negativity. So having football, having at least some football back, you know, obviously I wish the Pac-12 were playing right now as well as, you know, with the rest of the country. But, you know, NFL season is here. Um, It's, you know, gone off mostly without a hitch in terms of the COVID protocols and things like that. The Chargers have done a great job in particular. Uh, I'm just excited for football to be back. I'm excited for you know, Tyrod Taylor era, or at least the one year that we'll have him. Um, Maybe that's the last thing we talk about here is, you know, how many games we expect Tyrod to play. I'm, I think unless he gets hurt, he's playing all 16, hopefully 17 or 18. Um, What are you expecting out of games played for Tyrod this year?
2: Yeah, I think Tyrod plays uh, about 16 as well uh, the only situations I see Herbert getting in are the ones that Fernando mentioned when we interviewed him last week, which are, uh, towards the end of the season, Chargers have a playoff spot clinched, right, um, then maybe they throw out Herbert there week 17, or, right, Chargers are just, you know, failing, and they're four and eight, three and nine, right, that's the situation where I think Anthony Lynn might go, okay, you know, let's throw Herbert in there, um, I'd be curious to see what it was. Obviously as also Fernando mentioned if, you know, Herbert had gotten the full off season. But, you know, it is what it is and um I I think the Chargers are gonna be in contention. I think Tyrod's gonna manage turnovers pretty well. So, you know, at that point I, I just don't see how Herbert gets in if this team is uh, you know, at least uh at or above five hundred, really. Yeah, I
1: think it would take to me, the best kind of situation that the Chargers could put Justin Herbert into is, you know, you get the bye week and then that week 11 game, uh, you know, get you get two weeks as being the starter. I think that really is the best case scenario mm. for Herbert in terms of getting in and in, in the second half of the season. But, it, you know, it, it would take the Chargers being, you know, two and seven, three and six type of situation. And I just don't see that happening for the Chargers to be like, oh, OK, well, let's make a change. Let's get Herbert in there. All right. Um, so I just think you know, Anthony Lynn has historically stuck by his guys, and Tyrod Taylor is his guy of all guys. Like this season is all about Tyrod Taylor and and their relationship. So I think you know Tyrod's going to play until you know injury or you know potential disaster. Or men- you mentioned the the playoff scenario, which I don't think they'll have a playoff uh, playoff berth locked up. So. Yeah, I'm expecting a full season of Tyrod. Um, speaking of Tyrod Taylor, Tyler Schoen did have a wonderful breakdown up on Patreon about why he in particular believes in Tyrod. He's obviously been kind of the captain of the ship in terms of the Tyrod. I don't want to say hype train because Tyler's also very realistic. Like he's not expecting a 4,000 yard season out of Tyrod, but he's been obviously very excited about him. And Alex also has a breakdown up on Joe Burrow and how he compares to Andy Dalton and then I did a breakdown on Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap up on our Patreon account. So we're going to continue doing those breakdowns for each opponent. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll occasionally break down some Chargers film as well. Um, make sure you are participating in that Patreon account. We always love uh, getting likes and comments on our videos and things like that. Um, Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up today? Uh, No, not much. Hashtag fuck a while. there we go one more time alright guys that'll do it for this show thanks for tuning in make sure and leave us a rating or review and we'll see you next time
0: see ya everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time